listeners, you know that I usually start an episode by saying, Chris, to start the rant, or Chris will start by saying, Griffin. That's my Chris impression. I think it's rock solid. Uh, But unfortunately, I am not with Chris this week. Chris, unfortunately, uh, is feeling under the weather as I sit here on Tuesday. So they proposed a very reasonable solution of recording on Wednesday. Unfortunately, I cannot record on Wednesday. I'm driving out to Kingston for my little sister's graduation from Queen's University. So a big shout out to her and uh, her class of 2022. But uh, yeah, for now, it's just me sitting here. So what Chris and I decided to do, we were like, we know we got to talk Stanley Cup and we know we got to talk NBA Finals. Let's split it up. So I am just about to introduce to you a great guest. We've got a high floor, low ceiling debut coming up here. I don't even know who Chris got for their guest. So uh, I'm waiting in anxious anticipation, as I'm sure you guys all are as well. Uh, But yes, my guest today, I think that no matter who Chris got, I, I would put my guest up there against anyone uh, just a quick note, there is a bit of uh, fan, computer fan noise in the background. We tried to get around it. Unfortunately, we could not. It's very hot in Toronto. It's very uh, muggy in Ottawa there. So the computer fans got to kick in to gear sometimes. Um, so yeah, just try and listen around that. Uh, focus on our words, not on the dull roar. But before we get into that, I guess I should set up the episode the same way that Chris always does without Chris here. It's going to be tough because I've got to set up my own pun, which Chris does when they do the rants. So I guess I'll say that I'm very excited to have Adam on as a guest. And speaking of things that you're excited to have, look at your phone because what's in your podcast queue, it's another episode of High Floor, Low Ceiling. I am very excited to be joined by a guest making their high floor, low ceiling debut, a hockey expert all the way from uh, Canada's capital. Uh, He's a co-host of the great Ottawa Senators podcast, the Zoobcast. Uh, I know him from my time at Carleton University. We covered some Carleton sports there together. He's a great podcaster, a great writer. Adam Copeland, thank you so much for coming on high floor, low ceiling today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, well, we needed a uh, resident hockey guy, and you were the first person that came to mind. Also, a very entertaining Twitter follower, if you're into the uh, subset of Leafs Twitter known as Sens Twitter. Um, (laughs) Okay, man, hold on. Adam, you're obsessed. I don't know what to say. I went to school in Ottawa, so I I live a bit on Sens Twitter, even though I'm not a Sens fan, but it's all, it's just Leafs Twitter. It's just like they hate Twi- They hate the Leafs more than most Leafs fans. Not well, all Leafs fans. Yeah, here's what I'll say about that. Because I know we do have important stuff to talk about. But the thing about the Sens, in case you don't know, is they're not very good. And <laughs> when they're not very good, it's hard to talk about the team because it's just it's depressing and it's terrible. Um, so it's much brings us much more joy to talk about other teams' downfalls, <laughs> more specifically yeah. rival teams who always have their downfalls in the most embarrassing and pathetic ways. So. Yeah, you know personally, I don't know anything about uh, depressing <laughs> hockey teams. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> can't can't relate to that one. Uh, but yes, as you mentioned, Adam, very important things to get to. Uh, breaking news, Dan Bilesma, just named AHL head coach for the Seattle Kraken's new AHL affiliate. I was hoping we would spend the entire segment talking about this big, <laughs> right. big shout out to the Biles. 
Oh, huge. It's good to see him back. When's the last time he was in the league? Was he with Buffalo? I guess so, yeah. I mean, it's only the same 36 guys <laughs> yeah, who get the 32 exactly. NHL head coaching jobs, so it can't have been that long. And if you're off the market, you're back in like a year. Like, you're yeah. you're not unemployed for a while, so. Yeah, John Tortorella. Uh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, of course, Adam, the big news is that We've got ourselves a bit of a series in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, we are recording this Tuesday afternoon. In just a couple hours, Adam Austin Matthews will uh, be crowned the NHL MVP. Oh, we I hope see that, about that ages well. There's no other choice. He scored 60. Anyway. Well, we'll, um, we'll see. And we were really on the verge there. Getting back, like you said, important stuff to talk about. Uh, we were on the verge there of this Stanley Cup final that I think everyone was over the moon about this matchup of it being a total dud, but Tampa Bay yeah. has woken up. Um, yeah, so you you put out, I'd, I'd like to steer this in a slightly different direction because you, st- you put out a tweet the other day, um, like yesterday, I believe, or the day like before the last game happened, and you're like, I'm feeling confident like Tampa and six after they it, just got slapped. After they lost seven, nothing to go down. Yeah. yeah I, I gave exactly. them no margin for error. <laughs> no margin for error at all. And I was like, you know what? Gutsy call there by, by Griffin. That's, you know what? Like I respect that. Um, but I, I, as much as I respect it, you're, you're still, you're still wrong. I, I'm just going to throw that out there because Adam, although yes, I, well, let me, let me, yeah, me, I'll let, let me I'll let you. <laughs> uh, so yes, Tampa Bay wins game three, right? Six, two. Just like a blowout over Colorado, like who could have seen that coming, right? Um, are you are you a, are you a stats guy, Griffin? Are you an advanced stats guy? Uh, I dabble, especially in other sports. Hockey, I'm I'm not as familiar, but I'm certainly I'm open to them. I don't right. I don't poo poo. Are you are you so you know the concept of of expected goals? Are you yes, aware of yes, yeah. I do. Okay, so going in the first you know two games of the series, Colorado, you know they're they're beating Saint they're beating. Uh, Tampa Bay, excuse me, on the scoreboard, obviously, and in expected goals, they're they're winning both of those. And obviously, expected goals is important because it's like showing, you know, how, what's the, the how many goals they should be scoring based on everything except goaltending, pretty much, right? Like those are those are the factors that you put into it. And so, I found a very interesting stat from Game Three: um, the Lightning win six two. The expected goals, all situations, Colorado beat Tampa Bay six point six to four point three. So. If it weren't for goaltending, Colorado should have won around, you know, six or seven to four to five. And the only thing that prevented that from happening is Andre Vasilevsky posting a 949 and a 4.07 goals saved above expected, which means he was literally so good that he single-handedly won them the game by saving four more goals than what should have gone in based on the shots that they were taking. Darcy Kemper was also not good, so that probably helped. But all I'm saying is, yes, they the, the Lightning won, and they scored six goals, and that's great. But for them to come back and win this in six or seven, or, you know, whatever it is, Vasilevsky's going to need to do that every night. Or because they've gotten just destroyed. Like, they're, they are getting outplayed. Like, let's not be fooled here. They are getting outplayed by Colorado. They got outplayed by Colorado in that last game, too. Look at the expected goals. They should have won. Um, I respect your call. <laughs> Six games. It could still happen. Uh, but based on the stats, I'm, I'm not feeling too confident. Well, Adam, you present a rock solid argument there. I will say that, uh, goaltending is going to be a major part of the season. Oh, definitely. Or of this series. Andre Vasilevsky is the best goalie in the world. Darcy Kemper is certainly not. Yes. Um, <laughs> 
no argument for me there. But like you said, uh, definitely a tall task for him if Tampa continues to get. I'm I still like as good as Colorado is. I still think that Tampa's got more in them. You gotta mm-hmm. wonder if there's a fatigue. But Adam, I'm going to counteract your very good and logical stats-based argument with a bit of uh, mild flexing on my part. I was at Game 7 of the Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning. I was covering it for the Canadian press. And after my assignment was was the game from the Lightning angle. So after the game, I went to the Tampa Bay Lightning press conference and I looked into Steven Stamkos's eyes (laughs) and I looked into John Cooper's eyes and I looked into Victor Hedman's eyes and I was like, oh my God. (laughs) <laughs> They're winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that is my counter argument. It is based in nothing except for the last two years. And I will I will believe that Tampa Bay loses when the buzzer goes on their fourth loss. Yeah. And not a moment before that. And that's totally fair, right? Like they've earned that. They've got their their last two Stanley Cup champs. Like they are the standard. And until they're out, they totally have a shot, like a hundred percent. And and to even further your point there, you talk about goaltending. That's the the cool thing about hockey is the stats don't really matter. Yeah, like, nothing matters if the goaltending Yeah, matters. exactly. You could put me and my, my beer league team out there with Andre Vasilevsky against the Avs. We might still win. Like, if yeah, you, post you, a you got a shot. Yeah, exactly. We, you always have a shot, and that's great. Like, I think that's fantastic for the game. Like, you never know who's going to win, really. Like, the, being the favorite, sure, it's great. You might have the better team besides your goalie, but if the other guy stands on his head, who cares, right? So it's totally plausible because, as you mentioned, I agree with this entirely. Andre Vasilevsky is a much better goalie than Darcy Kemper. They're, they're like no argument for me there at all. And you have these guys like they've been there before. Like they just and they lost the first two games against the Rangers last series who had a fantastic goalie. By the way, you talk about Matthews winning the heart. My pick for heart is Shesterkin, but that can be a conversation for another day. We'll um, save that. We'll save that for we'll, your we'll next appearance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, man, like it's. I, I really wanted this. Everyone else wanted this to be such a good series. And I'm really ha- I'm very happy that Tampa won that game because now people can see it as more of a series. I still think Colorado on paper, like skill and talent and, you know, team built wise is just it's better. Like they're they're faster, they're better, they're more skilled. But Tampa's got something, right? Like they didn't win two straight Stanley Cups and are in a third straight final for no reason. Like they've they've got something. So you're absolutely right. They always have a chance as long as they're still in it. Yeah, um, before we stray too far, do you want to shout out that beer league team? I know you guys are a bit of a famous uh, beer league team in the oh. Ottawa area. Oh, well, I'm flattered. Uh, the The flossing Kachucks are a force <laughs> to be reckoned with in the Ottawa Senators Adult Hockey League, Div 6. Uh, we're on Div 6. <laughs> so, like, okay, but here's the thing, right? We've been a team for, like, two, three years, and we've been robbed of two championships because of COVID. Like, they had to cut the seasons. We were like, oh, we were flying. We were doing so well. And then this season comes along, and then we we just, oh, we just fell apart. We, we, we fell apart in the in the semis, and it was a it was a tough loss, but we'll be back, uh, the Flossing Kachucks. We'll there, see if you, you mirror the Tampa Bay Lightning there. Exactly. Um, there you go, yep. But I think the bottom line for you there, Adam, Tampa with a big win on the scoreboard last night, but not changing your mind too much in terms of who's going to win this series. Nope, and, and I... I think another point that you brought up is the fatigue, which I can. I think we can approach that from two angles. Firstly, for Tampa Bay, this is their third really deep playoff run. And that weighs on guys, especially the older guys, right? Like you'd think, like that, that hurts your body. You've been through so much. Uh, you're hurting. Sure. Uh, and I'm not saying, like, obviously Colorado's tired too. Like, let's not yeah, twist it. It's the playoffs. Everyone's, everyone's injured. Everyone's tired. But also... 
I was talking about this. I was having this debate with a with a bunch of friends the other day. The altitude is totally a factor. Like, let's. Mm. I, I at least in my opinion, it is. Um, you're Tampa Bay. You're already exhausted, and here you're going up. Like, you know, you hear stories of guys who are like, you know, three shifts in, they're like, oh, I'm gassed playing in Colorado. Like, they're exhausted. That's got to be something. Like, I feel like that Colorado is one of those really unique markets and and I guess arenas and atmospheres where you actually do get a like a, a real a tangible you know, tangible home ice advantage um it, yeah it's funny you play. hear about that thin air a lot when we when you, if you watch like a Denver Broncos game or, yes. or a Colorado Rockies game but it's it's still the same air for the indoor sports like oh, totally. <laughs> yeah exactly um so yeah it's 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 interesting and I, I think you have to imagine that that's coming into play especially if the series excuse me, goes longer and both teams get more tired. Tampa's getting more tired and they're going back. Like imagine if, goes, if this goes like, let's just do a hypothetical here. Vasilevsky stands on his head. Let's say this goes to game seven in Colorado. Who are you taking there? Like really? <laughs> I, I, that, the, both teams are exhausted. I've given the edge to Colorado 100% just because of how tired Tampa Bay is and the altitude's not helping. Um, but I mean, like, like we said, yeah, it's a factor. I think it's a, it's a significant factor. But as long as they have the goalie, then anything's possible. And then I think that's kind of an important point to keep putting across. I know I've said it before, um, but that is what is making this a series is the goaltending. That, like, that, in my opinion, that's kind of the only reason that this is a series. Um, and, you know, and Nick Paul, obviously. Shout of course, Paul. yes. Former um, Senator Nick Paul. Yeah, we're all cheering yeah, for him. I think we saw in game two uh, what happens when the goaltending doesn't show up for Tampa Bay, potentially. Exactly, yeah. And that's, that's the big, like, that's it, right? Like, we've seen both sides, like, both extremes, I'd say, in back-to-back games. Like, game two, Vasilevsky had a bad night. Like, a lot of those goals, in my opinion, those two-on-one goals, right? Where it's, like, yeah. it's Josh, like, no, no disrespect to these guys, but, like, it's Josh Manson scoring on a, on a one where he, like, Vasilevsky loses the net. And then it's, like, you know, I think Nico Sturm might have gotten a goal or something. Or, I don't know. But, like, there was a lot of two-on-ones where he completely, like, they didn't pass. There was never a pass. The defenseman did their job. And they just lost, like, you need your goalie to make at least one of those saves, like, preferably more, where it's just a 1v1, and Vasilevsky's the best goalie in the world. You say, you should probably have some of these, especially not against great shooters. Um, and then, you know, flip the script, game three, goes back to Tampa and decides, well, i got to do a little better than that, and just completely stands on his head, uh, and is a huge reason why they won that game. So, and now it'll be interesting to see, you got game four in Tampa, you know, which Vasilevsky are we seeing uh, the rest of the series, you know, game to game. That'll be interesting to see for me. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, just a couple of other things I wanted to mention on game three, and then maybe we'll look ahead a bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corey Perry, I think most NHL fans have formed an opinion on Corey Perry at this point, but now, uh, he's a goalie puncher as well. He's a goalie um, puncher. Yeah. Just wanted your thoughts on Corey Perry goalie puncher. Well, it was funny, right? Because you see, like, he's he's coming, he's right in front of Kemper, he gives him, like, a shove, and Kemper just doesn't even move. Like, he's it, not... It was like he wasn't phased. there. It was like he wasn't there. And as a goalie, like, that's what you're supposed... In my opinion, like, that's that's the right move. Like, let like let him draw goalie interference or something, or just don't even let him get in your head, right? Like, that's the mental game. Like, whatever, you're here, like, who cares? Uh, and that's Corey Perry, right? Like, he's been doing that his whole career. He's, exactly. well, I mean, maybe not punching goalies, but he's, he's always, <laughs> you know, he's an agitator, he's in front of the net, he's causing stuff. He should be doing that. I think that's great. And it, you know what? Like, things got heat. I, I won't lie. I did turn off that game in the third period. I was like, it's over, whatever. 
Um, I saw that there was some rough stuff at the end. Like, yeah, things did get scrappy. That's Corey Perry's music, right? Like, that's when he's going to be effective. And you got to think, like, for him on a personal level, this is his third straight Stanley Cup final, and he hasn't even won one of the other ones. Like, he's, like, got to be hungry for this. Like, he's got to be like, are you kidding me? Like, I've gone through all of this, and I might not even win in my third straight final season. His career's coming to an end. Like, he wants this pretty bad. Um, so I would imagine that Corey Perry's going to be pulling out all the stocks as much I don't know how much playing time he's going to get in these next few games, but I know like they put him on the power play. Like I think John Cooper trusts him enough. Um, he'll be an interesting player to watch, really. Um, I know you know it's kind of weird to say that when you got players like McKinnon on one side, like Stamkos, you know, Sorelli, Sergachev, Hedman, um, and then there's Corey Perry who's going to make a difference, um, which is which will be kind of interesting to see if he ends up um, doing some damage there. Yeah, he's one of those guys who it always just feels like if you put him out there, he will make an impact. And even in situations on the power play, like even if he's not quite the guy he once was when he was winning MVP trophies, mm-hmm. like he'll get in front of the net. He 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 just always feels like such a great candidate for a scramble or a tip in or something like that. Um, yes. And, and another thing is, you know, usually you see Corey Perry as like the way that he plays like a villain, right? Like he's like getting in yeah. your face and he's doing, I don't want to say dirty, but he's doing some, you know, borderline stuff. I've honestly found myself cheering a little bit for Corey Perry, um, just with the trajectory of how these last few years have gone. And also, you know, they show the, like he scored yesterday and they show the, the shot of like his wife and his, and his yeah. kid in the stands. And it's like, that's ah, kind of cool. Um, but it would be, it would be a cool end of his career arc. I'd say if Corey Perry ended up getting this done. But like I said, not a huge fan of, of Tampa's chances here moving forward. Yeah, well, we'll have to see how uh, John Cooper reacts to a game where he was outplayed. And there is another potential wrinkle coming in this series. You talked about Corey Perry, a bit of a villain. I want to bring up one of my heroes of the NHL. Uh, Nazem Kadri mm-hmm. joined the Colorado Avalanche for an optional skates. For an optional skate, pardon me. Um, are we thinking that... If he does make it back in this series, Nazem Kadri with a broken thumb is going to have an impact. <laughs> well, I was I was seeing I was scrolling Twitter today and I was looking at that and he was like he was practicing he was like testing out his hand by like pushing off the boards or something. I don't know if you saw that. No, uh, I did not see that. Yeah, that well, he, seems so, risky. Exactly. So I was like, if this is where he's at, like he doesn't even know if he can push off the boards. I don't know how effective he's gonna be in a game situ- or a game situation. I should say where everything is so fast paced, everything is so violent. Um, tight checking but you know anything can happen that's the beauty of the Stanley Cup playoffs and every like all these guys are playing injured like he you know maybe his injury is a little worse but it's not like you know no one's 100% like that that's what they say that's the cliche and it's kind of true um, Nazem Kadri's had a fantastic playoffs he had a fantastic season with yeah. Colorado you can't dismiss that coming back in any capacity really he's going to be like a, a threat in the sense that other team the other team's going to have to watch out for him just because they know um, so that's a factor, even if he doesn't end up doing anything, he's just there taking up space and it's meaningful space because they know the potential of what he can do. Um, but I don't know, like it's, it's, do you really want to, if you're Colorado, do you want to test that? Like your, your team is playing, like, I'm going to assume that they at least dabble in some statistics there and they know <laughs> that they should have probably won last game. So it's like, yeah, you could, you could put in Kadri, but it's like, do you really, do you even, I know it sounds stupid, do you even need to? Like if, you, yeah, if you're playing can, an, an injured Kadri there, or would you put a you know a, a healthier depth player? And, and Colorado's got great depth, um, so I don't know. It's an it's an interesting thought experiment to consider. 
Yeah, it's a different situation, I think, if they're down 2-1 and it's been a close series. But like you say, they've right. been the better team in all three games. Uh, Nazem Kadri's got a big, big contract that he's about to sign. Obviously, yes. <laughs> he would rather play in the Stanley Cup, but you got to think that's some percentage of a factor for him. And even if he does come out, I forget which hand he broke his thumb on, but either way, you got to figure, like, you can't shoot the puck with a broken exactly. thumb, can you? And even if you're able to play sort of a checking role... You know that guys will be tacking at the gloves like this is the Stanley Cup playoffs. NHL players are not above it at all. So it'll be interesting to see if Nas does make it back. And as someone who picked Tampa in six, I got to say that would make a pretty good silver lining to see Nazem Kadri, Stanley Cup champion. And uh, one last thing, Adam, you mentioned you turned off the game last night. I forget exactly when this was, but I think you probably would have seen Charles Barkley Oh yes. uh, was there. Just wanted to take a second. Shout out Sir Charles. Yes. Um, make, I, I saw from uh, the internet that he also made an appearance on the American broadcast on ESPN. Oh, uh, I didn't see that at all, but I, I did see him with Kyle Bukowskis there. Yeah, called Kyle Bukowskis the Canadian Tom Brady. <laughs> there you go. It's Said he was very good looking, but looked at him like he was really <laughs> honestly thinking about it. He just sort of stared at him for a second and was like, you're a really <laughs> good looking guy. <laughs> yeah, the, the Charles is, is so great, right? Like he's like, so he, you know, now that they have the rights there at like TNT and they can do all these kind of they can be more like you know creatively inclined with these crossovers with the other studio analysts from the other sports like this is so good right that that charles barkley likes hockey like that's so good for the game i I talk about this with my with my friends all the time like he is such a big personality like he's so important in basketball media just because of like who he is like he's always like saying fun stuff and like everyone like you know turns on the tv and at the intermission just to watch him and Shaq. right like that's exactly So if he's coming in and he's, he's essentially advocating for the sport, like no matter what he does, just him being at the game and, you know, the NHL, I don't know if you saw the NHL Instagram account, like saw, you know, posted something about him. Like they were like, and he was like, oh, I love John Cooper. Like I'm here supporting the lightning and love John Cooper, you know, these damn avalanche are tough or whatever. Like he was like being funny. Um, and like the thing with Kyle is great. <laughs> like that, that, that's funny too. I don't know that all the, I'm, I'm here for all of the Charles Barkley content. I really am. I think he's, he's great uh, to have as an advocate for the sport. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, he's part of the best show in sports media and inside the NBA and to yes. see him going now that TNT has that NHL rights to see them dragging hockey commentators up desperately to their half of their level of charisma is still something that's going to be Great for the game, but uh, like we promised, Adam, I do want to get your thoughts on the rest of this series. If I had to get a name and number prediction Ooh. from you, are we talking abs in five? Do you think that we've seen the last of the Tampa Bay Lightning? Oh, that's tough. I hate predictions. I, I won't lie. I hate predictions um, because in, in hockey, it's so random. You don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to assume Vasilevsky steals one more game, and I think it's going to be game four, actually. I think it's probably going to be tonight just at home because it's such an important game but i think after that they'll go back to colorado i think the abs will will really put it on and wake up and i'm gonna say colorado in six games that's my official prediction all right i'm personally gonna stick with my lightning in six (laughs) uh i can't back down now i've like i mentioned to you on twitter i've staked my non-existent reputation on this pick but hey uh little gambling pick out there if you think that the lightning win tonight when the series are tied 2-2 if you're listening out there might be a good chance to put some money down on the abs if you believe adam's stats and numbers (laughs) uh, all that fun stuff 
I personally think is hooey. <laughs> Absolute hooey compared to the look that I saw in John Cooper's eyes. Uh, but Adam, just before we mention, or before we go here, I just wanted to get your take on a couple of other hot, hot items around the National Hockey League. Speaking of hot, it is boiling hot in Toronto today. Is it hot in Ottawa as well? It's raining a lot here. Um, not super hot actually, but it's uh, it's it's coming down pretty hard. Might be some some lightning, some lightning. There you go. Some oh, there storms. we go. A sign may to come. Yeah, yeah. Twenty six right now in Toronto. I'm jealous. Uh, <laughs> Ottawa, nicer summers, way worse winters. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, no doubt. But yes, uh, some coaching hires. I want to start Peter DeBoer, a controversial choice. He is going to be the new head coach of the Dallas Stars. This is a guy who has gone to, I believe the number is five conference finals in the last 10 years, which is clearly no accident for anyone. But on the other hand, not a personality that a lot of NHL fans are big on. Um, What's your take on Peter DeBoer getting another job immediately after being fired by the Vegas Golden Knights? Well, I mean, you know, like you said, like he's been to, he's been far frequently and you know, that counts for something, of course. Um, but you can also spin it a different way and say, oh, he's he's never been able to get it done, right? Like, he's been far, but he's never been able to get it done. Um, the thing that I find interesting, actually, about this is I'm going to compare this to the other coaches that have been signed. Uh, I believe DeBoer is four years by four million. That's, that's the reported number, yeah. Right. So, you know, Bruce Cassidy signed with Vegas... And I believe his number comes in at about 4 or 4.5 per year. Uh, and I believe that when John Tortorella signed in Philadelphia, his number comes in at like 4 or 4.5 as well. So my point is, I'm not just spilling numbers at you again, <laughs> but my, my point is all of these coaches are signing for the same amount. What does that mean? Like, like you know, how much of an effect are they actually having? Like, I, I don't think, personally, that John Tortorella is a good coach. I, I, I don't think he's got the track record to show it, and it seems like everybody on his team just seems to get alienated from him yeah, whenever he comes on. Preaching right? to the choir with that one. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, why is he getting the same amount of money as Bruce Cassidy, who's done a fantastic job in Boston? They've gone to multiple, you know, they've won multiple playoff series. He's got great line. He gets great depth. He gets great usage out of his players. And Peter DeBoer is getting the same amount as well, who is able to, you know, join these teams, kind of make it far. Yeah, there's a bit of questions about how he, you know, his methods, but it's like, you know, <laughs> kind of feels like, what, what are we, what are you even doing here? Like, what, why, what makes a coach warrant this much money if everybody's doing like, you know, it's clearly not results-based because Tortorella hasn't been anywhere far in quite some time. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know, like Dallas... If we're going back to the, I'm sorry, I rambled a bit, but if we're going back to the no, original no. point, Dallas was kind of looked at as like a boring team. Like they played the Flames in the first round, and it was a an insufferable series. Like I could not bear to watch it. It was just Jake Ottinger and a bunch of guys playing like essentially the trap against Calgary, who's like just hammering them and hammering them and hammering them. Um, does Pete DeBoer come in and you know try to change that up a bit? You have like. You know, Robertson, who I really like, Rupe Hintz, who I really like. How much more usage can you get out of Ben and Sagan? Um, you have Heiskanen, right? Like, I don't know. It's, I'm, my question is if he's going to try to 
switch to a more offensive style and try to run with his with his guns there um or if he kind of stays and tries that defensive game again and, and sees you know where it goes um so that'll be what i'm looking for with DeBoer and dallas yeah and i think one thing i think we saw online a lot of stars fans not a big fan of this hiring and i think mm. part of that is related to in the first round of the playoffs we just saw jake ottinger explode onto the scene as a potential franchise goalie of course peter DeBoer, the last couple of years in vegas did not get along with multiple star goalies uh, Marc right. andre fleury of course stabbed in the back with a sword <laughs> and uh robin leonard having his own very difficult public feud with DeBoer as well so I think that's an area of concern for Dallas fans that they don't want anyone to mess with Jake Ottinger. But yeah, mm. it'll be very interesting to see how he does in Dallas there. And to your bigger point about all these guys with very different reputations and very bare, very different results over the last few years getting the same amount of money, I think it speaks to the fact that not only do we as a like fans on the outside, we don't really know what coaches do. Like we always say, fire this coach, hire that right. coach. We don't really know what goes on day to day. It's a very difficult role to evaluate. And it makes me sort of wonder if, like, do teams not really know what coaches do either? <laughs> mm-hmm. Are they just yeah. like, eh, they're, they're all about the same, more or less? Well, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, what is the role of a, of a coach? Like, you know, the way that I look at it is the most important piece is that you have good players who, because at the end of the day, it's the players that are playing and winning, right? Like, that's my big thing. It's the players that are scoring goals and that are getting points in the standings. What's the role of a coach? Is it to, you know, keep the peace, like make sure that, you know, nothing gets, you know, out of hand or there's no trauma in the locker room? Or is it to actually like tactically scheme stuff to, you know, get results? Because the way that you look at these guys and how they're hired, like some of them have very, you know, you look at the way their teams play and you know, past years of who they've coached. And it's like, well, there's, the tactics aren't great, but he's got a, you know, heck of a personality. <laughs> he seems like a nice guy. Like, does that count for something? Like, it is true. Like, you know, like you said, it's a good point. We don't know what goes on. I'm, I'm not going to act like I know what goes on either. But just from an outsider perspective, it's interesting to think about what could possibly be going on. Like, what's the most important criteria? Does it range from team to team? I'm sure everyone's got different ideologies. Um, but yeah, it is interesting. But, you know, at the end of the day, if your team is good enough, I think that's all, you know, that's the most important part. Like what, you know, just don't get a coach that, you know, messes it up. Right. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens with all these new faces and new places uh, when the, the year gets underway. Yeah, 100 percent. I realized uh, there that after I finished talking that maybe saying we don't know what we're talking about and we can't analyze is <laughs> not the best take to have on my sports podcast. But uh, I think anyone who listens to the podcast already knows that we don't know what we're talking there you about. Go. Exactly. So, um, Adam, you have been already very generous with your time. This has been so great. Uh, just one more time. The Zoobcast, available, I think, on all podcast platforms. Isn't that right? Yes, sir. You guys got a big episode coming up, I hear. We do. We are, uh, well, well, let's rephrase that. The guys that I do the podcast with have a big episode coming up because they've done all their scouting. They've done all their lists, all their rankings. We're doing a big draft episode. Uh, we're recording it in a couple days. Should be out by the end of the week or the weekend. Um, you know, obviously we're a Sens-based podcast, so it's going to be who are the Sens picking with all the Sens picks? Do they trade it? What's the top 10 consensus? Uh, they've done a lot of hard work, uh, Josh and Louie, who I do the podcast with. So definitely tune in, listen to me, not know what I'm talking about, and then hand it over to them and they'll tell you some important stuff. So it should be a good episode. 
Yeah, well, if you're a Sens fan listening in, I know we've got a few listeners from the Ottawa area. The Zoobcast, a must-listen. And even if you're just a hockey fan, still a great time. Highly recommended. As well as following Adam on Twitter, at Adam Copeland. That's A-D-A-M-C-O-P-L-A-N. Make sure to L-A-N, as in nightfall. Just <laughs> want to uh, clear that up, because I didn't pronounce it correctly, which is important to do in an audio medium. This is true. Uh, Thanks again, Adam, for coming by. This was really great. Uh, we're flattered that you swung by, and uh, hopefully we can have you on again soon, maybe once free agency rolls around to talk, because I had the time of my life here. Oh, absolutely. It was a pleasure to come on. Hopefully you'll have me back again. This was a blast. Uh, but yeah, excited to see how the rest of the series plays out. Thank you again. Yeah, we'll look forward to it. And welcome back a high floor low ceiling yes it's me <laughs> um you have just heard griffin and i actually don't know who griffin is going to have as uh his guest but you just heard some scintillating discussion about the uh stanley cup final uh i will add to the discussion and say abs and six but you're, you're you're cheering for the abs right you still have of some of course uh, my boy adam foot <laughs> <laughs> okay. I believe, Adam Foot, I believe Adam Foot's son is uh playing in the league now. And also, did you know that uh Joe Sakic is the general manager of the Avalanche? Oh the now see you're gonna make me talk about the Sakic Supreme, which simply cannot be allowed. <laughs> this isn't that kind of show. We I just talked about sports on this <laughs> I, show. I'm aware. The Sakic Supreme um, is a pizza. Uh DM me for deets. <laughs> oh, <laughs> As Griffin has probably alluded to, this is a uh, weird split episode, uh, and I have brought on one of my other podcasting cohorts. Uh, he is a sibling, near and dear to my heart. Uh, please welcome to the show, David House and Jan. Welcome, David. Thank you. So good to be here. Not the podcast of yours that I've been angling to get on, but very happy <laughs> to be included. <laughs> Famously, no guests on Bevy of Bevies. Yeah. Everyone, please stop asking. Everyone's desperate to get we'll on. We'll see how long that holds out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but David, you are you a big fan of High Floor Low Ceiling? You listen to us a lot? I have, I have actually listened to a few episodes. I've given you some editing notes <laughs> previously. Um but uh, but yeah, I, I tune in from time to time. I uh, you know we we frequently talk sports, whether in our fantasy basketball group or at family gatherings. Um, so I do like to tune in every so often and hear how uh, how wrong you are about sports that I don't watch. <laughs> sure, yes, you are primarily a, a basketball maven, and that is. Uh, well, we are here to discuss, of Indeed. course, since the last time we recorded, the finals have concluded. The Golden State Warriors are once again your NBA champions. Golden. What's that? Uh, is, wasn't that a thing? Like, once again, Golden? Didn't they? Didn't they? I feel like that was something that people said a lot. Uh, sure. When Jack McCollum's, like, Golden Days book was out and they were in the process of, like, winning the third championship. Sure. Um, one, I saw a hashtag on Twitter somewhere that was hashtag gold blooded, which I think is mm, cool. I do think that's cool too. <laughs> Did you um, see Clay Thompson's post game press conference where he got so mad about Jerry Jackson Jr. making fun of strength and numbers? They, they were really upset. Like, 
he was like once so they, mad <laughs> once they won the championship yeah. they really started like going after everyone on twitter being like yeah god you doubted us the warriors pulling out their seats yeah it's it is funny to think how many times they like started to write something but they were like but what if we lose <laughs> but then as soon as they won like just unleashed all the things that they've wanted to say all season it has been extremely funny um best best like post championship week i would say since the Cavs uh won and like jr sure. like wouldn't put a shirt on and that guy like right ate uh something off the street at the parade <laughs> what? you're thinking of course of human feces <laughs> oh, wait was it maybe a dog horse, feces. horse feces i think maybe horse yeah. it's some, some manner of uh, someone excrement. ate fecal matter off of the street during the championship parade <laughs> that's tough to top but um but i do like what i've seen from uh from mostly the players in golden state but i'm sure the fans are uh, wilding out as the kids say sure 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 um i wanted to talk about a little bit of the series we did talk about it a, a pretty substantial amount but like i I will advance the argument that this is one of the weaker finals of the last, like, seven, eight, nine, ten years in terms of the relative strength of both of the teams. Do you think that it really just did boil down to the Celtics, like, just not having, like, if you want to call it, like, championship DNA (laughs) or, like... Yeah, like because yeah. really that is how it feels because they were like pretty comparably strong teams it felt like and mm-hmm. then the Celtics kind of consistently withered in fourth quarters. They consistently did not get great games from their star players. They didn't other than that one Al Horford game, they didn't really have like those crazy role player explosion games that you kind of need to win finals it feels mm-hmm. like. So like did, did it really just feel like it's like oh like well the Warriors have been here a bunch of times before and the Celtics haven't. It did feel like that a bit to me. I picked the Celtics before the series because uh, uh well because I'm a grade A certified hater uh number 1. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I I really thought that Draymond pretty much had like given everything he had to give. I didn't think that Clay like Clay's been like pretty good, but I didn't think he had like swing of finals game kind of energy left in him um and especially just like in consideration of how good defensively the raptors uh or sorry the uh, the celtics are and uh, the reason i bring up the raptors is because like and we saw what happened last time a warriors team that like couldn't get much juice or didn't have clay and draymond went up against like a defensive stalwart team they lost uh and so i liked i liked kind of how the celtics were positioned and didn't really have a lot of faith in um in Golden State's roster to come through. Obviously, I think like Andrew Wiggins is kind of the big, um, you know, X factor in that calculation for me that I didn't really think was going to be a factor and ended up being a huge factor, um, especially in terms of uh, putting basically putting the Celtics in the same jail that I kind of thought the Warriors were going to be in, um, in terms of like neutralizing Jason Tatum's impact and force it, like helping force a lot of those turnovers, which have kind of been uh, talked to death as like the the sort of swing where it was like basically whichever team turns it over more loses. <laughs> it was sort of like the theme of the entire series. Um, so I mean, I did. I I guess it does boil down to the Celtics not really having it. I kind of thought that 
after having like been to the conference finals so many times that they they were kind of ready to take that step up like I don't I was thinking about it and I was kind of like it's not really like a rule that you have to like you know lose in the finals bef- to, to get that like I know what it takes right. to go to the finals and win um where where I I guess I was thinking primarily of like I being a Bulls fan <laughs> I always think of like the Jordan championships and like you right. know he, he uh, of course bounced many times in like the second or conference finals um before going to the finals and then uh winning so I I was sort of like I can see them bringing it together for that but uh but yeah not so I do think that like as Jason Tatum was like pretty bad for the series but I do think ultimately the role players let them down a fair bit as well outside of like game 1 when they went absolutely crazy Yeah like Derek White kind of a non-factor but really like when you run down the box scores of like all the players it's like it's basically just like Jason Tatum underperformed and Steph Curry was really, really good. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I almost feel like even though there was a lot of talk about Steph Curry and like how great he is and everything, like, I feel like people really don't talk about the fact that he averaged like over 30 points a game. Yeah, and that is the number that I was assists. like, what the, like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a series where he averaged over 30 points a game, <laughs> maybe because in the like early ones, he was like a little slow to start the series and then had a couple big games to sort of like pull those numbers up. But, um, but yeah, when I saw what he had averaged for the series, I did do like a bit of a double take. Yeah. Like he led the, we talked about this a little last week, but like other than that one Wiggins game where Tatum was the leading scorer and they still lost, which is like we talked about because the last uh, episode we did was right after game five. Mm-hmm. And so we talked a lot about how like that was the game they should have won really the Celtics that is. Um, but yeah, other than that, he was the top scorer in every game mm-hmm. and he had like a 43 point game and that's crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't have, all that much to say about these finals just because like I do think that in terms of like is this one of the weaker champions of like the last however long you want to say like you could go back to like the 07 Spurs I guess yeah I mean it's tricky because they like th- this this that that the period that you're describing is like the super team era basically so right. it's it's That's like fair. They're the first championship team other than the Raptors in a long time that hasn't been like kind of a bona fide super team. And even the Bucks. Yeah, that's true. Even then, like they made a big trade to go and get Drew Holiday, who like, you know, I I feel like when you look at sort of, I guess, his resume, he doesn't it's not like he's a superstar player, but he but he's a star like Cannon is the second best player on a championship team. Arguably, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get. He was I, pretty bad. He, I feel like people he, kind of forget did, how bad he was. He did struggle. He did struggle uh, in their like actual championship run. So maybe, <laughs> maybe it's uh, uh, unfair to characterize it that way. But he's he's a really good player. He has been an all star. He probably like could be an all star or have been an all star recently if like you know the narrative was going a little bit more his way. But. um yeah, yeah. So, as far as like saying they're a weak team, I, I guess I don't know. It's one of those things where I'm almost like, I guess we have to wait and see whether like the the like playoff version of Wiggins is now like 
the version of Wiggins that he is like on a nightly basis going forward. Because if but it's, it's like, like if he was so much better, I didn't think than like he was in the regular seat. Like he averaged like I think eighteen points a game. And then it's like he had that one great game where he had 26 points. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, like, I guess, like, you could say his rebounding was a huge part of it for them because it did allow them to go small mm-hmm. and not give up a huge rebounding disadvantage. Like, yeah. that was a, a mismatch for them. But it's like, in terms of, like, 15 to 20 points, he does, like, the little things pretty well. He didn't shoot well from three in the series. And then, like, good defense. I guess on it, the it wing. is, like, part of it is that, like, I didn't get to watch him live, like, a ton during the season. So, uh, it did feel to me watching the finals like he was more engaged on defense even than he was during the regular season with Golden State. And of course, sure. like the the effort level in Golden State versus Minnesota has like been talked to death. Yeah. It's night and day. Um, but I, I'd like, yeah, I'd, I'll be interested to see how he is kind of like, I guess, perceived going forward. And then also whether his level of play in the playoffs is considered an improvement over his regular season, which I felt like it was just kind of like watching again, not having seen a ton of him during the regular season. And I have felt like kind of the dialogue around it is that, that, that that's the feeling as well. And then like he was on there, there was that like um, Instagram live that I think Jordan Poole was doing where him and Jordan Poole were both just being like, we're about to get the bag. Um, and so I'm curious of as to like obviously Wiggins already has a max contract so he, yeah. he has successfully secured the bag shout out time splitters too but um, <laughs> I, like I'm curious to see like if he was to hit the open market in free agency would he be getting max level offers from other teams and I think he probably would or like near Maybe max max le- but like, like it is a weird thing where it's like it's so much to do with like perception and role mm-hmm. is such a big part of totally. it. Totally. Like, I don't think he would look good if you took him out of Steph Curry's team. Yeah. <laughs> in term, like, in terms of look- his offensive impact, like his 18 points sure. per game feel like the fakest 18 points per game. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I, I, I know what you mean, but it's, it's like, is he really that much? Like, I guess the big thing is the three point shot because he, like in the last two years, he has been like, a 38, 39% three-point shooter. And again, that's probably something that you can attribute pretty heavily mm-hmm. <laughs> to playing in like a really well-managed offense and uh, having Steph Curry on your team. But it's like, in terms of his overall player profile, it doesn't really feel like he, like, it's not like, oh, this guy went to this place and then he like changed his game or like figured out some like missing piece. Like he still feels like pretty much the same player and his stats are pretty much the same. But it's just like being able to do that and contribute basically at the same level on a championship level team just changes the calculus for him, I guess. Right. I guess um, it's it it's like maybe just that we have finally like settled into the perception of him where the expectation that he's ever going to be kind of like a superstar is right. gone or even like the kind of like create for himself offensive player that can be the number one option on a good team. Um is gone. And so now when we look at him, what we see is like ultimate role player or like, like Swiss army knife, but all of the skills that of like, oftentimes when you say a guy's a Swiss army knife, like some of those skills are like a little bit below average or just passable. And he's kind of into that, like kind of ultra Swiss army knife mode where all the skills are kind of like at least league average. Um, 
and especially when you put him into a system where he works really well, then all of a sudden he starts to look like an all-star player and like a player who people genuinely talk about as maybe being a finals MVP and like that that is able to like dance around in the locker room and say he's about to get the bag because he probably would and slash yeah, is. And, and in a lot of ways, like, you know, people were talking about him in relation to Andre Godala in terms of that whole like finals MVP narrative because he was sort of occupying that same role. But he, I, he does like he is a very Andre Iguodala-esque where it's like he can kind of do anything. He can be like a f- high teens scorer. He mm-hmm. can be a solid facilitator. He can play really good defense on like a star forward, which is obviously something you're going to need if you want to win a championship. So I do feel like he in a weird way, he was like the missing piece for like because like if you just take like Steph Curry, Clay, or <laughs> Steph Clay, Draymond. I mean, Draymond like ha- just actively had a bad series. It seems like like <laughs> I guess he was good in the closeout game. Like he basically mm-hmm. had a triple double, but like he, he yeah, didn't really have a good series. He had as many games where he hurt them as he did where he helped them. Yeah, and then it's like Clay goes five for twenty. Did you realize that? I just looked at that in game now. six. In game six, he went five for twenty <laughs> for twelve points, which is crazy. And so it's like, yeah, like he was pretty firmly their best player or their second best player rather. And so like it is kind of the same as like a 2015 where he is like a secret sauce that you don't really realize is there. Mm-hmm. Um, turning to some other news because we have now closed the book on uh, the 2022 season and already things are very much <laughs> in swing in terms of 2023 David, we had a trade come in just moments, uh, not moments, but minutes before we started recording. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have Jeremy... not looked at the details of this trade yet, other than knowing it involves Jeremy Grant to Portland. Yes. So Jeremy Grant has been traded to the Trailblazers for Milwaukee's 2025 first round pick. Mm-hmm. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay a, so a surprising i think yeah. most people would agree a very small package uh i mean like a can you driver. call it a package if it's like <laughs> it's true if it's one, one for one <laughs> <laughs> it's i mean like jeremy grant a player that gets talked about a lot in nba circles because he is like a high quality role player obviously was very good on the nuggets when he was there and then went to detroit being like i want a larger offensive role mm-hmm. and everyone was like what are you talking about you're jeremy grant and then immediately <laughs> but, like but 20 detroit points a game yeah. and and detroit was seasons. like yes we will pay you like 25 million dollars for yeah. that <laughs> um and so he is he's in the last year of his contract so that is you know <laughs> obviously a point to consider yeah i have a lot of but, questions about this <laughs> but the tw- just won Milwaukee's 2025 protected one to four uh-huh. first Which, round pick. It's not out of the question that that could be like a decent pick in theory. I feel like <sighs> anytime you're three years out, like a lot can happen in three years. So, but, I mean, it's the same as like people were talking about Denver's sort of future picks and things like that. Mm-hmm. I was having a discussion with someone recently, and it's like if you have an MVP level player like I guess it's possible that Giannis could be traded three seasons from now but like that just doesn't feel likely to me mm-hmm. and then it's like if you have a Giannis or a Jokic that's like 
about as close as you can get, especially if you're playing in the East. Right. It's at like least like not going to be a lottery team. pick. Yeah. It's not going to be like a top 10 pick. It doesn't feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would. It, yeah, that boy. <laughs> it's not like you're trading like the Timberwolves pick. No, that no. Golden State hat or whatever. So and Detroit has the fourth pick or the fifth pick in this year's I draft. They have the fourth pick. Let me confirm that. Intel. Or but is it the yes. Kings? The Kings the have fifth the fourth. Picks, right. The Kings yeah, are okay. yes. The Kings are fourth. Detroit is fifth, which is so, like. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Jeremy Grant has been getting floated as a trade kind of like piece for a long time. It's been clear that he doesn't really want to be in Detroit, and they're not like married to having him either. I, but I am kind of like, who are you making room for here at number five? But I'm sure they're not like thinking in terms of like we need to get rid of Jeremy Grant because we have another, you know, all-star forward prospect coming in. Yeah. And, you know, people have talked about like Marvin Bagley is uh-huh. going to be entering restricted free agency. I believe. Yes. He's sure. going to be entering restricted free. Agency. Are they going to be paying Marvin Bagley $25 million? <laughs> I don't think they're going to be paying him that much, but I think there is a non-zero chance they're paying him like, enough money to say we don't want to be paying marvin bagley and jeremy grant this amount of money mm-hmm. it is only 20 million dollars i will say okay he signed a three-year right. 60 million dollar deal um and yeah like sort of as you alluded to like it was always a weird signing because like for detroit in terms of like why are you paying like this great role player who's like a great like third or fourth option on a championship team and you're paying him to be like the top scorer on your terrible team. Mm-hmm. What is the logic here? And that never really like <laughs> we never really saw anything to disabuse us of that notion, no. I don't think. I'll be interested to see what the chemistry is like with him in Portland because you know, he's he asked out of a good team because he wasn't happy with how much he was getting the ball. Now, then he asked out of a bad team because he had too much responsibility with the ball. He's now going to a bad team where he isn't going to be like the like two A or B or possibly like third option behind Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons. Are we calling this a bad team though? The the Blazers. I mean, I guess it depends how healthy Dame is next season. I don't know. You look at their you look at their roster Mm -hmm. because you know I think they they are now like they do sort of become an interesting piece here. They have the number seven overall pick still. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Nurkic still, I guess, as well. He, uh, I think he might be a free agent. Let me double check that. But uh, yeah, like they have... So hypothetically, let's say, regardless of his contract situation, that they bring Nurkic back, because that does feel pretty likely at this point. Um, then they have Lillard, Simons, Josh Hart, Jeremy Grant... Nurkic, the number seven pick, Nasir Little. Mm-hmm. Hypothetically, they have Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, Nurkic is expiring, but I do, I would imagine that they'd bring him back. Um, and then, like, you know, whatever you can cobble together, like, if, if, if just Lillard, Simons, Hart, Grant, Nurkic, Nasir Little, and then, like, some other stuff, and the number seven pick, mm-hmm. that, it's like a playoff team, right? maybe i mean to me it feels it feels like a lot of question mark guys to all be on the same roster um and then 
was just like thinking about the situation in the West where I feel like a lot of teams are on the rise and not a lot are that are currently in the playoff picture are on kind of like the fall. Um, like I would, I would have said that the Blazers are one of the teams that are kind of in the like fringe playoff picture or who have been part of the playoff kind of landscape in the past few years that would be on the fall. And I would be expecting to kind of like drop out to clear space for like the Pelicans. And they did do that last year, but that was yeah. more because Lillard was injured. Yeah. So I, I just have a lot of questions about how healthy Lillard is going to be next year, how effective he's going to be once he does come back. Like, I'm just, you know, he's a small guard uh, who is a great shooter. But, uh, you know, I, I always have a lot of hesitancy about those, like, high volume, undersized, score first point guards in their like who are hitting their mid 30s like that's not a combination that makes me feel very excited um and like Nurkic has like some injury question marks Josh Hart is like a solid role player for sure Jeremy Grant has proven that he can be like productive on a bad team or good on a good team but like I yeah I, I have some questions about him and then like Anthony Simon's put up like great scoring and pretty much nothing else on a team that was playing for like absolutely nothing (laughs) in a contract year in a contract year where i'm like you know is he going to be in the mccollum role or is he going to be scoring like 15 points per game off the bench on like 42 percent shooting and complaining about how he wants a bigger role and asking for a trade (laughs) (laughs) well i think that if I think that they're going to pay him as if he has a big role. And so, uh, like, I agree. by extension, that they will, like, <laughs> sort of be forced to carve out a big role for him. I mean, like, I, it's really hard because he was, like, almost a 20 points per game scorer last he was year. Great. Yeah, he was great. <laughs> but then but. It, it's like, how much does that translate into, mm-hmm. like, a situation where you are actually being asked to win on a consistent basis. And they were and like to play next to Damian Lillard, who again, like yeah. has a very similar sort of player profile in terms of what he brings to the team, except he does it way better. <laughs> and like his version of it makes you a playoff team. And, and I just right. don't like we've, I guess we have not yet seen what Anthony Simons with a big role on a team that is playing for something looks like. Yeah. So there, there still are a lot of questions for them for sure. Um, but it is, it's an interesting situation that they're in, I will say. Mm-hmm. Um, let's to close thing out here. Let's turn to the draft. It is forthcoming. It is, uh, it will be this evening at the time that people are hearing this. Mm, wow. Well, well, uh, <laughs> very nice. <laughs> um, do you have any, I mean, you know the bulls you are a bulls fan i am a bulls uh, fan um they are picking pretty late and i have not spent too much time i've uh i'm i'm in the cellar of our uh dynasty fantasy league so i have been paying very close attention to the top of the draft um i have like i've taken a little bit of a look at some of the guys who are gonna be uh like kind of on the board when it's the bulls turn to pick but really like i don't pretend to be such a draft guru ever that i'm like i know exactly who a team needs at like 22 where i'm like at yeah. that point it really 
it's like every team is flipping a coin and like there's so much more that goes into it when you're picking at 22 than when you're picking at like three i feel like in terms of like do we go for like the best player available or is there a guy who we think can like contribute right now and meets the needs of our teams and like now that there's a competent front office in place i'm kind of just like do your thing uh (laughs) and, and like you know i i don't have a really strong feelings about guys like kind of that far down the board but it sounds and it's like also like you don't necessarily know who's going to be yeah, there exactly like it can be so dependent on the, the other like it that's can what change I sort of so much into, yeah because the raptors aren't picking until 33 that it's like oh like well <laughs> like maybe the guy that's being mocked like 15th right now is just going to be there like mm-hmm. i was thinking like you about, never like, know when you're going to get super invested in getting like josh primo at like 29 and then he gets right. picked 13th <laughs> or, right. or whatever they took him at <laughs> yeah or like people talk i remember like deontay davis yeah. was a guy who was getting talked about as like around like a 15 to 20 pick and then he ends up getting picked in the second round it's Mm -hmm. like guys can fall guys can get scooped up early well and it's like just hard to feel invested yeah and and it can also be confusing i feel like if you're not kind of like a full-time draft head where it's like oh i recognize this guy's name because he was like a big deal in high school he must be like highly sought after and then you look at like the draft big boards or like the mock drafts or whatever and they're like suddenly at the end of the first round or like in the second round and it's like wait right. wasn't this guy like the number one prospect like eight months ago like yeah things, right. things can just like change so fast yeah. um do you but, uh do you ha- so just talking about the top of the draft then do you have thoughts on the whole because you know it does seem like it's sort of shaken out that it's going to be Jabari Smith, mm-hmm. Chet Holmgren, Paolo mm-hmm. Benchero in some order. Do you have thoughts on any of those guys? Do you have a guy you like? I mean, obviously the big lightning rod is Chet. Yeah, but- I I like Chet personally. Um I do like I think I think he is kind of in the Mobley vein where everyone's like, he's too skinny to play center. And it's like, yeah, but if you pair him up with a center, then he'll look (laughs) awesome Um, is is sort of my take. He is really skinny, of course. Um, I just like, I don't know. I I like pretty much everything else that you see from him. I don't think that uh, like Durant comparison is warranted, which is where people kind of go as far as like, you can still be effective and be skinny. Like, yeah, that he's not Durant. I don't think he'll ever kind of like have the, the strength or the, the fluidity of a Durant. Even the people who are saying like, he's like a Durant type. I don't think are saying like, he's going to be like a 28 points per game score. Certainly. It's more just a comp, like a comp based on the combination of skill and size. Uh, One comp I did see that was kind of interesting to me was like evolutionary Pau Gasol, Mm -hmm. because like Pau is another guy who was not super like built up when he came into the league. Obviously, like when you think of prime Pau, like, late 2000s early 2010s pal like he is mm-hmm. pretty like stocky and like definitely has the the requisite size for a power forward and i don't think that chet's necessarily going to get there but maybe some sort of like hybrid of pow and Giannis in terms of like <laughs> mm-hmm. a body type maybe Giannis is like an unreasonable expectation for anyone but in terms of having like length and size and like some athleticism to go on top of that yeah yeah i think he is going to be a guy who in terms of like he has such good 
defensive instincts and good size, but when you play him at sort of his natural position, it is just a risk that he's going to get bodied all the time. And so when you're planning for how to use him, you almost want him sort of like available as a free safety. And I think if there's a team that can figure out like, how can we fully unleash him as like a help side defender or as like uh, a guy who can like become a bit more switchable because he has looked like, again, I mostly have seen just like portions of games or, or highlights of him. Cause I don't follow college basketball too closely, but from what I've seen, it's not like he's like got this ex- extreme lateral quickness uh, or like fleet feet that he could be like, just like switching on to guys on the perimeter like a Mobley does. But I do think if you have him on it, like primarily defending a guy who's not sort of a primary offensive threat and who he's able to sag off a bit or to come with like a timely double team or, you know, to, to be that kind of guy who in a couple of steps can sidle over and suddenly be in the paint without worrying about, you know, we've just left someone amazing (laughs) completely wide open. I do think that he's got that that kind of decision making and defensive ability to be really impactful um, as as sort of that disruptor as opposed to a, like at the basket anchor per se. Right. I think that his shot is like not you know it's not like a complete non factor. It's not completely outside the realm of imagination that he could become an effective spot up shooter. Um, is he like? a star offensive player ever probably not but i think that he can bring a combination of defense and offense that will make him like a viable second best player on a championship team type of guy a viable like all-star all-star starter like all defensive team selection all nba selection i don't necessarily see the like clear pathway there in terms of like what he'll be able to do offensively but um but I do think he'll be like a high end guy. Yeah, I think the offensive development is a big question mark for sure for pretty much like for all the reasons he said. And, you know, I think that his offensive skills are like a little more refined than people give him credit for. Like he does have like the jump shooting ability. And I think it is like you said, like it's just a matter of the kind of development he gets and going to the right team and being put in the right situation. So he could be in trouble <laughs> um, <laughs> just looking at the tees, picking at the top of the draft. Although him and Shengun is weirdly an interesting Yeah, I'm combination. intrigued by that for sure, especially now that Christian Wood has cleared out. <laughs> yeah. Um, we are pretty much out of time already, so uh, we will wrap things up there. But before we uh, go, do you have any Bradley Beal thoughts or stay or go where he might head? Um yeah, I would. Uh, I mean, we were talking about the like he was rumored to opt out. I would opt out if I was him. I think the market is probably as high as it's going to be <laughs> in the sure. next couple of years. I think that I think that if he opts in, he will lose a lot of money next year because I think he pretty much, um, like I said, score first guards and not that he's undersized he's a very different player from Lillard but it was clear this year that you know he's starting to enter sort of the late part of his prime if not passing his prime and so I would uh, secure that bag sooner rather than later if I was him as far as destinations you know like I'm sure the Lakers probably (laughs) have have an interest um 
Yeah, I, I've like, I mean, any team that has been connected to like Levine rumors, I would assume would also have an interest in Beal if he was to be like genuinely testing free agency or or looking for a trade. So I would I would imagine they have pretty similar markets. Sure. And you I imagine you're expecting Levine to return. I do think Levine will return. I think if he leaves, it will be one of the weakest moves ever because the whole, well, the whole narrative with him um, when uh, (laughs) the new front office came in was that like, oh, Levine has been clear. Like he, he wants to be a bull, but he needs to see that like they can get him some help and be like a real competitive team. And they then like went out and got him two guys who, you know, I'm not like so high on the Bulls, like as a as a whole collective team to be like real contenders or on DeRozan or Vukovic as kind of like or Vucevic rather as individual like players being like so incredible. But they did go out and get him help and they put together a team that is not going to be like they're going to be a playoff team. They're going to be playing like good quality winning basketball. And so then to hear rumors that he's now like, DeRozan's actually too good and <laughs> and I want to leave. Like, if there's any truth to that, I think that's like just <laughs> one of the weakest things I can conceive of. So all that to say, I'll be, yeah, I'll be happy to have him. Like I said, not high expectations, but they're, they're more fun with him than without him for sure. Um, so I do think that he will uh, stay and I think that he should stay. <laughs> um and and they're weirdly I don't know if you've been seeing any of this, but the Bulls keep getting linked to Gobert, which I think is like a weird a, a weird thing, shall we say, but I had not heard that. I mean they would be really good defensively. They yeah, this would. Is assuming they would dump Vucevic somewhere. Uh, yeah, I they would have to. But I do think that like if the 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 theory there then is that like Rudy Gobert's defense basically like is a championship level defense as long as you don't have like turnstiles on the perimeter and sort of pair him up with like Caruso and Ball if Ball yeah. can get healthy that there I mean there are some question marks there but like Dasumu and Caruso and Ball on the perimeter with Gobert in the interior like that suddenly becomes a pretty interesting defensive team that can cover right. a lot of the flaws that the defense ran into this year especially when those perimeter defenders had to sit yeah, absolutely. Um, that will have to do it for us for this week. I hope everyone enjoyed this uh, this double sp- uh, split EP type uh, <laughs> operation that we devised this week. Uh, I believe it will be Griffin and myself back again next week. Uh, you can, of course, follow us at HFLC Podcast on all the social medias and the Instagram and TikTok worlds. Uh, you can, of course, listen to David and I talk about comic books uh, at, on Got the Runs. Uh, follow us at Got the Runs Podcast. Got the Runs Pod. <laughs> no! <laughs> <laughs> uh, and listen to Bevy and Bevy's as well. Season two uh, should be out today, actually. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, catch me that. on there really soon as well. <laughs> okay, maybe we'll have to see about that. We'll see. Um, but until next time, thank you all for listening. And keep your floors high and your ceilings low.